Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Through Podcast. This time we're just cutting straight to the chase. Actually, I'm of course joined by my friend Jakub, who's got a new microphone. So, you know, if you feel any difference in quality, for better or for worse, tell us. Do not hesitate. Uh, I don't think you it's, it, you yeah. know, if you're going to hear it worse, <laughs> you're probably, it's probably something with your sound setup, but uh, I don't or, know. Or maybe I've done something wrong. We'll we'll, we'll see. It, it is a very new microphone. This is my first time using it properly. So uh, we'll we'll see if, it, if, if, if I've done something wrong in the setup or something, but hopefully, hopefully not. Hope you can hear me very well. Yeah, and there was one Challenger 125 this week, and it's also where you get a point. So I, I guess we don't really have a choice for you know, in order to, like, wh- where do we start from? That's right. You don't. We are starting in Manama, in Bahrain, where Tanasi Kokinakis got his fifth Challenger title, beating Abedala Shelby 6-1-6-4, also got me a point uh, in, the, in the winner's picks. His first Challenger title since Sibiu in 2021. En route uh, to this title, he beat Erel, Muller, Popirin, Struff, then Shelbach in the final. After five weeks, he returns to the top 100 uh, at number 100, moving up 41 spots. What did you think of Tanasi Kokinakis this week? Yeah, uh, to be fair, I would have liked to see like a Kubler Kokinakis final, but I think Tanasi would have been the favorite there. Um, Probably what, what what was impressive here this week, uh, perhaps, you know, it, it was not the level that he had in Adelaide or something, but um, it was very windy most of the time. And the way he handled it, definitely quite impressive. Even if there were some moments against uh, Miller in the second round, uh, it never really felt like he was close to going out. He was always the guy in control, the same in the third set against Struff in the semis. Of course, quite a tough run as well with Popperin and Struff especially. Uh, and in the final, yeah, he just demolished Abedala Shelbach. Um, 12 aces, I think, in, in a 6-1-6-4 victory. Uh, over 70% on first serves in, over 80% on first serve points won. Uh, he was just far too good for, uh, for admittedly, a pretty tired opponent and... Uh, yeah, uh, fifth challenger title, as you say, but 125 points, it's, it's going to help him a lot, even though right now maybe you can cannot really see it. Of course, he jumped 40 places, but when someone is going to look at his rankings, they're not going to be like, oh, Kokinakis has, you know, is making massive moves because he's still at number 100. <laughs> but we're going to see the effect of these 125 points in a few months. Perhaps, you know, soon he's defending mm-hmm. my, some points in Miami, but in the latter half of the year, especially, that's, that's when we're going see how important these points are going to be for him if of, of course provided he stays healthy and provided he gets better results than in the latter half of 2022 which i think he should do but you know in theory he also should have done it in 2022 absolutely it sets him up, it sets him up very very well here uh deserved title i think i think i definitely picked the picked the right guy here so let's <laughs> talk about shelbach his first challenger final uh he beat atlangaria kopshiva beat jason kubler seven six in the third uh caruso in the semis he moves up to 276 in the rankings breaking the top 300 for the first time in his career it's a 123 uh, place jump uh this run accounts for four i think almost 40 percent of his points uh, currently, but yeah, what did you think of of Shelbach this week? Yeah, the most impressive win for sure over Beck and Atlangerier. 
<laughs> but he did. I, I'm just wondering, did, did he have a wild card? I mean, this is a bit of topic, but yeah, okay. I just, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I just did. never paid attention to Adam Gariev in the in the draw, even though he had a wild card. I guess I always assumed that Shelby was winning this. Maybe, maybe that's why. Correct, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, of course, Shelby had a, had a wild card as well. He's gonna have one for the ATP 250 in Doha uh, next week as well. He plays Sun Mukwon, which is tough, but pretty much everything in that draw would have been tough. Maybe some qualifier spots would have been easy, easier, maybe someone like O'Connell. But yeah, Shelbach looks like a very interesting prospect. He's not the kind of guy to jump at you, you know, from, from your computer screen, like I don't know, an Alcaraz does, like a Rune did, like an um, a Fields did, I don't know, something like that. Uh, but he definitely has a very complete lefty game. Uh, can both attack, defend. He's got decent pop, you know. I think he's vulnerable to getting overpowered to an extent, but it's not like he cannot produce power on his shots. Uh, really hard to see how he can, how he's not going to continue climbing. Of course, he was. Uh, by the way, if anyone wants like some background info, at at the age of fourteen, he moved to Rafa Nadal Academy. Then he was also for a year at the University of Florida. Apparently, best friends with Ben Shelton. And uh, he decided to quit college after just a year in December, go pro. You know, it's been going fantastic. Um, on the ITF tour, he had like a quarters, semi and a final, losing to Lopez San Martin, Martin Tifon, Rincon. Then he had that second round in Tenerife. And of course, now uh, the final in Manama. Uh, he actually reached a semi-final at the end of last year. Well, more like in September or August last year. Uh, when in Mallorca, so in that uh, home challenger in terms of the Rafa Nadal Academy, he had a wildcard there as well. And yeah, and, and and here he beat Kopriva, which was his second top 200 victory after Stricker. And also Kubler, of course, his first top 100. Um, yeah, looks like he's going to continue climbing. And I guess it's not going to be in a f- until like a few months when we will know where his actual level is. Uh, definitely looks like a guy who could have a top 100 future. Perhaps not this year. That would be quite shocking, honestly. Like if he made that sort of a jump. Uh, but you know, just just talking about the future. But I think he was just a little too tired in the final to to really have a chance. I, I'm not saying he would have had a chance if if he was fully fit. Kokinakis definitely has like the um well, the very obvious weapons that can uh, hurt someone like Shellbike. And the wind was not as impactful for sure in the final. Yeah, a funny thing before this week, uh, he made four ITF uh, finals. Three of them were against Rincon. Uh, <laughs> three of the four, uh, two of them he he won. Well, one of them was a retirement after three games, the very first one. His and first I think cycle. Rincon trains at the Rafa Nadal Academy as well, right? So they, yeah, yeah. So, they so must so know maybe, each maybe other they... very well too. Hopefully, if Rincon can also make the jump, they can continue this rivalry on the on the Challenger Tour. Yeah, the second one was in Ternava, actually, in, this, in December last year. Um, Shelby won that one, and then Rincon beat him this year already in Manacor. Yeah, saving, uh, like, some, some crazy match nine. points, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we can talk about our semifinalists. Let's start with Salvatore Caruso, who made the semifinals as a lucky loser. He beat Tomescu, lost to Durasevic in the in the qualifying. Then he beat Arnaldi, Gengel, and Justino for his first challenger semifinal in 13 months since Bendigo 2022, all the way back in January last year. Uh, this is huge for him as he he's sort of in a similar space to Travaglia, where he's you know older, trying to uh, re- retain his ranking at a point where he can still play challengers regularly. Uh, and this is huge for him as he moves up to 305 in the rankings. What did you think of Caruso this week? 
Yeah, it doesn't seem though like his decline was caused by any health issues, you know, at least not obvious no, ones. Yeah, yeah at, le- at least not like something that took him out of the sport for four months, at, at least like something like what Travaglia had. Um, you know, in his case, I think it's going to be much tougher. Even when he yeah, was it's, in the it's, top it's, sort of, it's, it's battling decline more more so than Travaglia is like like Travaglia's level yeah. I think overall is. And he is definitely like, uh, you know, even when he was in the top 100, it sometimes felt like he was punching above his weight a bit. Like he's not, he's not as naturally talented as Travaglia, whatever that word, whatever that phrase means, because it's very subjective. (laughs) Uh, But he definitely has a bit more of a basic game, uh, less of a ball striking talent than than Travaglia does. Um, Is that run going to help him? Well, it will, it will help him for sure, but is it a start of a comeback to uh you know to a to a top 100 or top 150 level hard to see that definitely a good win over arnaldi but you know then he had a very good draw let's be honest i mean gengel just you yeah. know then lost to shellback uh durasovic who beat him in the qualies you know he he drew popperin in the second round <laughs> and yeah, yes, sometimes it is like that i mean i'm pretty sure durasovic was beating justino and gengel too arnaldi who knows mm. Yeah, our other semi-finalist was Jan Lennart Struff. He beat Chepeliev, O'Connell, and Machkac uh, before losing to Kokinakis. Any thoughts on his week? Yeah, it just doesn't strike me as a guy who liked the wind that much. But still, of course, he beat Machkac, he beat O'Connell, uh, and, and then lost to Kokinakis. The, the first set was not close. It was like, I think I think the game that Struff won was actually on return. So he was constantly broken in the first set, but certainly nothing he has to be... Um, yeah, angry about uh, a good week after that loss to Gerasimov in Vilnius. Whatever health issues he had that forced him out of Davis Cup, he definitely seemed to be behind him. And in general, it's been a very solid start to the year. You know, maybe he's actually producing that um, top 100 return that uh, last year seemed sort of certain when he won Braunschweig losing, barely losing games and then never really followed that up. Yeah, anybody else you want to talk about in singles? Um, not really. Of course, I had Kubler as um, as my pick, and he lost to Shelby mm-hmm. uh, in a crazy match. I mean, uh, a couple of um, Kubler served for the match a couple of times in the third set after saving a match point in the second set. But I think in general, he did not like playing Shelby in that wind. Um, it, it really like limited his um, chances to uh, blast the forehand to do any damage to to Shelby, and um, well. Um, in general, I, I I thought though that this is a pretty good matchup for the youngster, and uh, unlike Kokinakis, unlike Struff also would have been. Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had Niklas Salminen and Stevens win their first title of the season after two finals uh, earlier this season. Already, they're the number one team so far in the doubles race uh, on the Challenger Tour. In the final, they beat Gonzalez and Romboli. Um, yeah, we can move over to Chennai. But we had a great final between Purcell and Morena de Alboran, won by Purcell, 5-7-7-6-6-4, saving two match points in the final to win his third challenger title. First one says No Sultan 2021. Uh, in this one, he beat Sasi Kumar Mukund, 6-2-6-2, beat Petr Noza, uh, beat James Duckworth in, in three sets, and Dane Sweeney as well to reach the final. There he de Alboran. He reaches his new career high ranking of 155. What did you think of Purcell this week? 
Yeah, I read some quotes from Purcell, uh, who apparently is like really trying to focus on his singles career this year. That's not to say that he won't play doubles, but I mean, he will prioritize uh, singles in his uh, scheduling, mm-hmm. which I think we can kind of see, you know, he's only played the Australian Open and then uh, Challengers. Um, yeah, it, it's been a very solid start for sure. Uh, made that quarter in Notaburi. Uh, lost to Polmans in Bernie, which of course is not a bad loss at all. Polmans, who has been playing with him in doubles in these challengers. And of course, had that great run at the Australian Open qualifying, where he was super close to taking Rusuvori to the to a fifth set. And uh, and yeah, this one uh definitely the, the win over Duckworth stands out. And of course the final, which uh yeah, was quite a mess. Uh, Moreno de Alboran has gotten us used to him struggling to close out matches in sets and you know especially uh combined with that final against gomez in salinas that he had last year which was his first challenger final uh where he was seven six five three forty love up uh, on serve missed a smash yeah. on the second match point and then was also five two up i think double break in the third set uh missing four match points in total in that match and here another two uh, one, they, they were these, these were actually on return, but Moreno Dalboran led uh, seven five five two, served for it at five three, and then at five four he had two match points. Um, couldn't really do one uh, match on the one on one of them. It was like a serve plus one forehand winner from Purcell, and then the other one uh, he will re- regret it. Um, it was a second serve return that he wasn't really trying to do much with. He was just trying to get it over the net. Um, and it was, you know, like one of these moments when a player just doesn't have confidence and like decelerates, if that makes sense. And 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 yeah, yeah. That, that that's definitely something he will regret. And uh, it it just got into um, you know, after that it was a huge grind fest, <laughs> and Purcell came uh came out on top. He he really has a fun like kind of unique game. Uh, it's it's hard to categorize him. Uh, you know, in theory he's got a big serve slice and like the. A net play, so he he could I mean slice uh, at, uh, in a slice in an attacking way, but he also disrupts play so well and can grind. Uh, yeah, just 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 a very tough player I think to predict to categorize. Uh, the way he played against uh, Rusev Wari at the Australian Open was a good example because like he was really focusing on these disrupting skills. Um, and yeah, he 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 now has a pretty serious chance at a top 100 debut. Although of course it would still require a lot of good consistent results. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy watching Max Purcell play tennis. It's it's always fun, and especially in a high stakes match like this, it was it was I think a very exciting final. Uh, yeah, as you said, Moreno Dalboran, his third challenger final, his second fi- challenger final loss for match points up. Uh, really rough for him. And as you said, I mean, he sometimes has trouble closing out matches. That wasn't an issue for him at all this week because it never got to that point. He, he didn't drop. <laughs> More than four games in a set <laughs> coming coming into this final, beating Ferreira Silva, Chungsin Tseng, the top seed. He beats him 6 2, 6 4. Uh, takes out Uchiyama, takes out Nagao, who was in very nice form. Uh, so, still a great run, even if he couldn't close it out in that final. He breaks the top 200 at number 188. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think? Are you, uh, you know, going forward from another Alboran? Uh, has this changed your your idea of him in, in any way that he has this nice run, but once again, fails to close it out in the final? Yeah, I mean, it's good that he has that Braga title, because if not for yeah. that, I mean, if he only had these two finals in Chennai and Salinas, that would have been a disaster for him mentally. At least he has that one title. 
Uh, and yeah, I, I, it's not really something that happened this week, but over maybe even since Wimbledon or something like that, uh, he has definitely shown a bit of a new, um, well, version, a new layer to his game with the, with this, with how his serve is actually pretty good. And especially the way he's been able to start using his forehand more offensively. Uh, in the final, you could see it like un- until 7-5-5-2, his forehand was definitely the best shot on the court. It wasn't anymore after Purcell got back into it. Like in the third set, he was not getting any free points uh, anymore of the serve of the forehand. Uh, it was really just a grind fest, which he's pretty good at anyway. Like that that was his style coming up onto the tour. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the, the way he's playing with his forehand right now, it's really ra- raised his ceiling. Of course, he's not like... Um, a very a player who we're suddenly expecting to you know to break the top 100 in three months definitely mm. not, but he has proven time and time again that he belongs at the challenger level. Uh, I, I I really feel sorry for him because it, it felt like he deserved that title. You know, not losing a set, not even coming close to losing the set all the way until seven five five two up, definitely being the better player until then. But yeah, again, uh, like in the Gomez final, may, maybe this time even you know it it wasn't as uh, terrible of a choke, of course. Just too much points on return. There it was four on serve, three consecutive, you know, five two, five three, yeah. both sets. Here it was just one set where he had a lead. But yeah, uh it's gonna be tough for him. But if I'm sure in in like two weeks time or something like that, when he looks back at Chennai, he's gonna take a lot of positives out of it as he should. All right, let's talk about our semi-finalists, starting with Sumit Nagal who made the semifinals as a qualifier, beating Pottergill and Jisung Nam to qualify, then taking on my pick, Ryan Penniston, beat Lucky Loser Jason Jung, Jay Clark in the quarterfinals, 6-1-6-4. Of course, he was possibly, potentially, uh, bumped down to qualifying because of the Leo Borg uh, wildcard, so maybe that gave him a bit of fire. Uh, and yeah, it's his first Challenger semifinal since September 2021, 20, uh, since CBU. Uh, the same... Uh, CBU that I believe uh, Kokinakis won that we mentioned earlier. Uh, so those guys are are all coming back. And he actually beat Lahechka on that run. I was I was looking at that earlier. But yeah, uh, moves up 97 spots, number 409. Uh, he's actually behind Shidech, Ayani, and Prismich. And then it's Nagal. So it's all these four guys all in a row in the rankings, which is pretty fun. Uh, all sort of potentially underranked. We'll, we'll see where they go. But yeah, what did you think of Nagal this week? Yeah, um, as you said, I think he would have gotten the third wildcard if not for Leo Borg. Um, but, you know, to be honest, uh, sometimes, of course, he wouldn't like, like, if he had a choice, he wouldn't have played qualifying. But sometimes it helps you, you know, maybe maybe he kind of mm-hmm. needed that after only winning one match at Davis Cup before Chennai. Uh, as you said, I mean, 506 before this week, he really needs huge results in, the, in these yeah. Indian challengers because otherwise he's playing futures soon. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that he's going to feel like, you know, he shouldn't do at this stage of his career or not. And I, I have no clue what he thinks about it, but I just looked at his scheduling and since his comeback last year, he has not played an ITF event. So that kind of suggests to me that, you know, if possible, he, he would rather stay at the challenger level, which, uh, yeah, it, it's a pretty big jump between a challenger and a 25k in, you know, in, in the prestige, let's say. Probably more so than a challenger one to five and a two fifty, um, so so that's kind of understandable. But you know, maybe maybe if he if he didn't get results, maybe ah uh, yeah. But as you said, uh, a lot a huge ranking jump. 
Uh, he uh, has a couple of more, I think, yeah, he has a wild card into Bangalore along with Leo Borg this time around. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully he's going to do more with it because, yeah, he uh, he had a nice moment last year already. Uh, also playing Lehechka, but not beating him, but taking a set of him. And also uh, then uh, in Merbushkirish, the quarters, almost beating Zapata Miralesh. Of course, it's a cliche when it comes to Nagal, but he really, uh, like if he had a serve, he really could have been a great player. Uh, you know, the, the ball striking is there. The forehand especially is, is really fun. Uh, he has, he has a great personality as well, of course. Uh, I like, I love the fact that he's like, uh, you know, very active on uh, posting on Twitter after his matches and like inviting people to watch his, uh, watch his matches. I actually don't like barely follow any tennis players on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I, I try to keep my following count, uh, pretty low so that it's still readable. Uh, but Sweet Nagal is one of them. I can't remember when I followed him, but uh, he is like one of the five, ten players that I follow, and uh, he actually brings some uh, interesting content there. So I'm I'm glad with that, and not really thinking of changing it. I'm I'm sure he's I'm sure he's glad to hear that he's one of your that that, that he has a follow from you. Um, all right, our other semifinals was Dane Sweeney. He beat Maestrelli. McCabe and Kazal to reach his second challenger semifinal in his career after making me his first one in Antaburi, uh last August. Yeah, I think really impressive run, especially that Kazal win. What did you think of Sweeney this week? Yeah, the Kazal win was incredible. I mean, the way he was defending, scrambling around the court in that match was just insane. And uh, it was a bit of a new version of Sweeney, even though that's how he plays, but he just never did it. To this extent, he just never did this quality. And uh, honestly, if he played like this at the Australian Open qualifying, my peak uh, for him to get out of his uh, section wouldn't have looked so ridiculous, <laughs> uh, which, which is kind of dead given his loss to Darderi in round two and how he would be basically without a chance. He would have been basically without a chance in the sec- in the third round against Belucci, Passaro, or Gombos, or whoever was coming. Not not Gombos, but you know, uh, Belucci, Wu, Passaro, whoever was coming out of that section. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, this was definitely the best I've seen Dane Sweeney play and excited to see more. He is at a ranking of like almost making it grand, into Grand Slam qualifying by him, by his own merit. And, um, you know, he, he has a lot of points to defend this year just from ITF events, which he's won six of in 2022. Um, so even though maybe you're not going to see some huge, um, challenger results on his, on his, uh, rankings breakdown or whatever, he actually has a lot to make up for. So yep, he better start doing that. And, and if he can play like this in the Indian challengers, then, then sure. He, he can certainly stick around. Mm-hmm. Anybody else in the singles you want to talk about here? Um, no, probably not. All right. Over in the doubles, we have Jake Clark and Arjun Kade. Win the title. Kada is the, now the the sole number one doubles player so far in 2023. Uh, they beat Sebastian Ofner and Nino Sedarusic in the final, who took who took out the top seeds Belajin and Ucejian in the semis. By the way, um, why is because when I when I uh, yeah I didn't even realize that Sweeney has six titles because I remember reading that was just um, Yunchao Keta with with six as the you know the record holder. But is that is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, it is correct. Sweeney also has six, so I guess it was just an error. So so apparently Yun Chao Keta and and Sweeney uh, were the record holders in that regard last year. Yeah, yeah, both both at six. 
Yeah. Who knows why? Um, all right, we can go over to Cherbourg, where we had Julia Sapieri beat Tito Androgay 7-5-7-6 to win a second challenger title. Uh, Sapieri beat Polichak in the first round and beat Hertz in the third set tiebreaker. Had to use the seventh match point, I think, if I counted correctly. In quarters, he beat Mats Morang, uh, who took out my pick, Vasek Pospisil, uh, who's actually injured and out for several months, I think. He yes. announced on Twitter. Uh, really, really unfortunate for him. Um, so I, I guess he'll have to try and do another comeback over again. Uh, really tough for him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he like he will miss um, because it seems like he will just miss the clay season, which he's been missing and on anyway. I'm pretty sure he wants to be back on grass, but of course there's also like one more month at least of indoor play, so that will hurt him, and he's mm -hmm. dropping plenty of points also. Yeah, and in the semis, Tabiri beat uh, Jan Koinski 6-4-3-6-6-3. Now he moves up 39 spots to number 127 in the rankings. His new career high ranking 99 points away from the top 100. Can, do you think he can do it this season, Tabiri? Was, was, was he one of your guys from your Twitter thread? I can't remember. No, no I, I did not include him. I also didn't include Koboli. I uh, I thought of Koboli more than I did of Tabiri. Um, You know, right now, would I include him? Yeah, I probably would have given like him like the 25th, 26th <laughs> spot. Um just you know just to be um like safe. But um yeah, it's still it's still not certain if he will do it. Of course, uh what helps him is that there's only like one big uh result on his ranking, which is the Umag semifinals. Ron Garros qualifying where he played very well is like what 34. 25 points um 25 points for making yeah, it for the qualifying and then you don't get the 10 points for the for round one right i'm not sure if you do i think i think you actually yeah i think you actually do um uh, it's it's kind of stupid right but, <laughs> but i think you actually do um because it's like one of the uh, very few events which give you points for making it to the event even if it's not like for qualifying um, and yeah, Zeperi has 35 points from Ron Garros, which is ah, super stupid. I, I absolutely agree. And also Rome uh, for qualifying, he has 35 points and then it's Umag 102. So um, yeah, basically just one big um, well, result. That's mostly because he wasn't doing much at the challenger level last year. And now he also does it indoors, which is kind of interesting because he never really had any results under the roof, let's say. Um, does it make sense that his game would be good in faster conditions? Well, Sherbrooke wasn't really faster, but, uh, you know, he had that fantastic match against Riedi at the Australian Open qualifying, uh, when his serve and forehand were like really causing a lot of trouble here. Also, like some of the, some of the matches, his first serve was just un, um, yeah, ungettable for the opponents. Um, so yeah, right now I would probably give him a spot at the bottom of my list somewhere. I still don't know if, if, if he's going to do it. Um, yeah, he's, he's been a pretty baffling player with how, uh, at, at various points in 2021, and that goes for Koboli as well, how they both looked like, you know, huge prospects and then they really didn't follow it up. Um, even though Koboli won his first challenger in 2022, you know, since then he's been, um, yeah, he hasn't been producing anything and, and Zapieri also had a poor year outside of two events because of course there was the Umak semis and Ron Garros. So yeah, uh, to to uh, to <laughs> to like sum it up, 
it's definitely possible at this point. But 100 points is still pretty huge, and he would probably need to do it before Umag. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he has a very nice window of opportunity here between now and the French Open qualifying. That gives him, like, what, three months almost, and he has, I think, about 30-something 30, 30 points to defend. So that's 130 points over over three months. I, I I think that he definitely has a decent chance to do it if he can get, you know, two three bigger results. Um, but yeah, I mean we'll, we'll have to see because obviously he he didn't get those last year. Uh, as for Droguet, obviously he started in qualifying. This was his first challenger final, and he started in qualifying with a bang uh, against Jurgen Briand, saving four match points, ten uh, eight in the third set tiebreak to even get. To play the final qualifying where, where he destroyed Minchik 6 3 6 1. Once he was in the main draw, it was, uh, he continued to just be very, very strong, beat Milman 6 4 6 3. Yoris Delore 7 5 6 3. Came back from his setdown against Batutin, beat Escoffier as well to reach the final up 49 spots to number 247, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Drogate this week? Yeah, and it has to be mentioned like how he got that win over Priant because that was just insane. I mean, at at seven eight, I think like seven eight from Joguet's perspective, um, he um, I I'm not gonna say that he missed this ball. A lot of people on Twitter have done it. I think it's not clear from the video because Briant is kind of blocking the view. Uh, but there was a very controversial line call, which caused Briand to have a big meltdown. And soon enough, at 9-8, from Droguet's perspective, Briand got a point penalty for verbal abuse for something he said to the umpire in French. Uh, it, it it actually went kind of viral on Twitter, uh, so you can check it out. I, I completely was... missed this. I, I had no idea. I, I'm not yeah, it has like videos, 500 but... likes. Uh, I didn't post it. It was a um, French account, uh, Romeo, uh, I think is, uh, is his name. Uh, that's like his whole, well, not handle, but of course the um, username, whatever. No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to call <laughs> it, but you know what I mean? And I think yeah. it got like 500 likes. So it was actually kind of viral for, uh, for a challenger thing. I do believe a lot of the posters were French. So uh, it's maybe that's why you, you haven't seen it. I, I think, um, well, the, the, the tweet itself is in French as well. So maybe that's why it didn't show up for you. I, I, I follow the guy. So, um, mm. so that's why it did for me. Um, I couldn't, you know, I can't tell you what, uh, Brian said, but if you know French, you can check it out on the video. I also posted it like one of, in one of my tweets, if you, if you can't find it, but I'm pretty sure if you type in just Droga Briant into the search engine on Twitter, it's going to come up. Uh, but yeah, that's how he got it. And then suddenly, <laughs> I mean, he's beating Benchik, Milman, Delors, Vatutin, Escoffier, the best week of his career. Very, uh, you know, it reminds me of Belier in San Luis Potosi when he basically mm-hmm. turned his career, career around. Probably for just one year, uh, given that he's not doing so hot right now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, still he got to play so many ATP Tour events because of that even. Um, which was insane. And he got them because he saved three match points against Emery in the, in the first qualities round. And then he won the title. Droge came up just short. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, it's also not really that repeatable for me. I think a big aspect of this run was how slow the courts in Sherbrooke were as well. Uh, like, and he's definitely like, he, he was so efficient in making them look even slower. 
And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, just, just because of like reviewing pleasure or something that actually works against the opponents, especially against the opponents he was playing, where Zepieri was like the first guy who really tried to blow him off the court. And Droge also, uh, seemed very fatigued in the final. He had, um, he had some treatment for his thigh. Uh, so, you know, maybe it would have looked differently. Uh, but in general, yeah, he just, uh, I, I, I'm not even sure he defends that well. Like he just, I, th- I think he really, uh, just anticipates. Uh, quite uh, well, his anticipation is quite excellent, and yeah, he was just able to, you know, from the baseline, he he, he isn't that dangerous. Like he just plays with a, with this a lot of spin. Uh, you can see why he's usually better on clay, uh, but yeah, not this week. And of course, he has a very good serve. So um, yeah, it was a very surprising round for sure. Um, not sure if that's yeah instantly repeatable, but. You know, he's had a couple of uh, of big ones before, like the Toulouse semis. He's had a couple of ITF titles. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely one of the most surprising finals of the year, Droguet Zapieri. And uh, yeah, there's no way we would have picked either of these guys. For sure. Yeah. As for semifinalists, we had Escoffier reaching the semis, beating locally Furness and Vanash in a third set tiebreaker. His second semifinal and fourth quarterfinal already in 2023 on the Challenger Tour, 11 and 5 on Challengers this season. That yields for him a new career high ranking of 183. What did you think of Viscofi this weekend in his season overall? Yeah, we've been talking about this, that he's just making semis quarters all the time now, which is very nice for him because, you know, at first at the Challenger level, he seemed quite outmatched. Definitely not anymore, but he will regret this. Like... This was his chance, right? That this was the moment oh, yeah. where big, he could big, have. Big time, yeah. yeah. And he actually had a very tough draw to the semis. Locoli, Furness, Vanash. Vanash had too much points on his serve, I think, at 6 5 before the tiebreak. Maybe this was also one of the reasons, you know, that 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 uh, very long match that Escofier lost to Droguet. I don't know. Mm. But um, yeah, it really felt like this is a chance for him, given how good he is indoors, you know everything basically about his game is just tailor-made maybe outside of that extreme forehand grip but it actually takes on pace pretty well so um and and it was also a very slow indoor court yeah our other semi-finalist was Jan Choinski who beat Yevseyev Grenier 6-2-6-1 came back from a set down against Gabriel Debru as well his first challenger semi-final since his Capinas title uh, last October, new career ranking for him as well at 225. What did you think of Koinski this week? Yeah, I was a little surprised that apparently Koinski has marginally better win rates uh, over the course of his career indoors than on clay. Uh, it kind of surprised me. I mean, I always just figured him as a as a clay guy most most of the time, but I guess that's just where I mostly watched him. You know, especially in the Polish events. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, again, I think the the slower indoor hard courts were a big part of this run. Um, but of course, sort of similarly to guys like you know Zapieri, Droge, um, he uh, th- they all have a huge first serve, and then just play very very uh, well. Zapieri maybe not a solid baseline game, but like have a clay oriented, maybe maybe more clay oriented uh, background. Uh, and um, yeah, I think it was just very very uh, much. Um, Oh, well, it was, uh, it, it paid to have something like this in Sherbrooke this week. Um, certainly a, a pretty big run for Hoinski, who should also be like at a 
getting close to a career high. Did he? Did he break one? Yeah, week? yeah. He's at his new career high ranking, two hundred twenty-five. Oh, yeah. As well, so um, you know, it is a possibility that he will uh, hold on to that Grand Slam qualifying spot. Of course, at least until Campinas, because well, uh, last year he had a couple of breaks where he couldn't really play due to injuries. So uh, there is there is plenty of potential for him to to earn ranking points before at least before Campinas. But you know, by the time we reach Campinas, it will be after the U.S. Open anyway. So. Um, it's especially important for him to play the next three slams, of course. And I also have to say, I forgot to to, to just mention it with Escoffier, both in the matches against Vanash uh, and also Kolash, he was um, very very passive when it like when it mattered. Uh, as eventually, it gave him the win against Vanash, but for a long while, it looked uh, it looked like it wasn't uh, going to, of course, with the two match points. And uh, yeah, he just seems to like in in these tough third setters. He and that kind of goes for the Safiulin loss in Koblenz as well. He is not confident in in, uh, in himself, you know, enough to to keep playing his game and sort of tries to get the ball to the other guy and see what happens with it. And sometimes it works. I mean, he's not the worst defender in the world, definitely not. All right. Anybody else you want to talk about in singles? I don't know. The brew was pretty close to uh to a first challenger semi. Uh, still very mm. hard to tell where this guy is going. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, still, still. Uh, uh, you can see that he has a very solid base. Also, I loved the camera angle uh, in Sherbrooke. It like really uh, allowed you to see the yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, the very shape. well done. Yeah. yeah. Really allows you to like see the shape on the shots, you know. Debrus uh, forehand topspin, mm-hmm. for example, uh, definitely looked completely different to how it can often uh, be, you know, in these more televi, more TV cameras. And I, I definitely like something like Sherbrooke a lot more. Yeah, same for me. I mean, I understand that obviously on something like clay, it's difficult because they they use much more of the court. But especially on indoor hard, when you're pressing up against the baseline more and you see both players for the majority of it, I think it's a great angle to, to utilize. All right. And over in the doubles in Cherbourg, we had Lutarevich and Manafov win their second challenger title this season. They're the number two team so far on the challenger race. And they beat Zhevitsky and Zhuk, uh, who beat the top seeds Dustin Brown and Andrew Harris earlier. Zhuk's second challenger final, both have been with, with Zhevitsky. Uh, and we can go to match of the weekend. Second challenger didn't have so so he hasn't he hasn't won one. Oh really? I don't think so. At least to what I what I found. But uh, yeah, he he had one with. Oh, you're right. Jimmy's yeah, you're right. You're right. I think. Yeah, for some reason I Maybe I had with yeah from that one. For some oh yeah I, I remember that but for some reason I thought that Zhuk has a challenger doubles title so I guess uh, yeah I missed that he was trying to become the twenty third pole to get that <laughs> yeah you you weren't across it shame on you uh, but yes match of the week upset of the week where would you like to start. Um, maybe let's start with match of the week. And I also mentioned that um, I put out a poll on Twitter like an hour ago. Um, I don't know if I'm going to start doing that every week, but um, you know, if people vote, why not? About the best challenger match of the week of the past week. Um, I think it could be mm-hmm. fun. And I put I can only put in four options there. And one of so I I can just tell you which 
uh, you know, which ones I put, which was uh, Kubler Travalia, Schellbach Kubler, uh, uh, yeah, Schellbach Kubler, uh, Escoffier von Asch, and also Sweeney Cazot. I think one one that I also really considered was, uh, of course, the final in Chennai, uh, Purcell Moreno de Alboran. I am going with Sweeney over Cazot, for sure. I think it had the best uh, balance between drama and quality. Uh, four match points saved by the Australian. Some choking there from Cazo, uh, but also one really good uh, match point save. And yeah, as I said earlier, I think Sweeney uh, definitely the best I've seen him play. Yeah, I've, I've gone with none of those options. I'm going with Purcell over Mlanenda Alboran in yep. the Chennai final. Uh, obviously, it's it's always exciting to have a massive battle in the final with, with match points and everything, especially with uh Purcell in there you know as, as you say he, he disrupts it he, he plays a very different style of tennis of course it evolved eventually into a bit of a grind set in the in the third set but I, I thought that was a fun match and also I was busy so I haven't seen actually most of those matches that you put in the poll but <laughs> uh yeah upset of the week who have you gone with um I you know looking at the bookies there are like three very similar scores this is Sweeney over Cazo uh, Pospisil over Moraing and Noza over Nardi um I think Pospisil like I, I wasn't that shocked even though I picked him to win the week he usually struggles against one-handers you know Moraing if he serves well he's always dangerous um I might actually go with uh, Noza over Nardi. Actually, I I I thought with I thought of uh, you know I, I thought I was gonna pick Sweeney over Cazal as well for the upset, but I'm I'm gonna go with Noza over Nardi. Uh, just pretty wild that he was able to produce something like this. He was serving extremely well all week. Uh, got pretty close to Purcell as well. Uh, and and yeah, that that uh, that was probably the the result that shocked me the most. Yeah, I have gone with Morang over Pospisil. Obviously, I didn't know that Pospisil was injured coming into this week. Otherwise, I wouldn't have picked him. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I just wasn't really expecting that. Mats Morang was was struggling uh, for you know most of last season. Uh, going back to that, uh, and yeah, I mean, he he sort of showed that he he's, he's still around at least. Yeah, made the quarters, uh, yeah. beat, beat Balier, uh, lost to Zapieri in a mm. pretty tight match. Definitely an improvement over what he's been doing recently. All right, and we can go over to the previews where I am one closer to tying you, now sitting five to six. Um, six to seven, oh, yeah. I think. Is it? Yeah. There we it was seven to five. Yeah, I'm I'm hundred percent sure it was seven to five. I wouldn't be able to like to you know rattle off the, <laughs> the peaks that got me the points. But let me check I, the spreadsheet. Okay, but I'm. Yeah, I've got five. You've got six. Nah, it was definitely seven to five. Uh, you can I, you can I start talking about Monterey, and I will start counting uh, my points. I, 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 I can rattle off to you who, who you got. So, so we, okay, so Fuchovic, week one Canberra. Then you said Serundolo in in Peter. week one, yeah. Uh, week two you had Fields and yeah. Serundolo again. Yeah. Week three nothing. Uh, week four you had Gofan in Otigny. Yeah. Week five you had Hichikata. Yeah. And then that's it. Really? Week six weeks seven. I was so sure it was yeah. seven five, but okay. Yeah, I mean it doesn't yeah, really six. change much, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unless I've, I've missed something, but I'm pretty sure that the spreadsheet is correct. But yes, okay. sixty five. 
Uh, and we go to Monterrey, where we have our Challenger 125 event with Adrian Manarino as the top seed. I I, I feel like he hasn't played a Challenger in a, in a while, but I might be wrong. He usually played uh, Monterrey. Anyway. He usually played Monterrey. I remember him winning oh, yeah. this, uh, <laughs> before. Yeah, and he faces actually Alexander Kovacevic in the first round. Very exciting first round. Blockbuster winner faces Mejia or Mansuri. Taro Daniel plays Steve Johnson. Uh, winner faces Borna Goyo or Rodrigo Pacheco Mendez. Denis Kudla plays Mattia Bellucci and then faces one of two qualifiers. Uh, Yosuke Bataluki plays James Van Deinze. I've, I've never heard of this guy. I wonder who he is. Probably a collegian uh, from faces... like one of these, uh, you know, New Mexico, right? I mean, that, that's what it usually is. What's his name? Because Maybe, I, yeah. I typed in Van Deinze College and James. So sorry. Yeah, J- James Van Deinze. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, well, winner of his and or Benoit Pair. Is, is he from what? College? Actually, what? <laughs> As the co-owner and teaching professional at the Vero Beach Tennis Club and the head coach, head tennis coach at Vero Beach High School. What? Maybe this is his son or something. No, I mean or James. It... James Van Dane. So I mean, I. Yeah, I. Thirty-two. I, yeah. Looks like he is. Oh, this, uh, this is bought hard <laughs> with his hard-earned money from the tennis club. Yeah, and, and, and he, also six, a, he also has a doubles wild card as well. Uh, Six twenty-one so, yeah. uh, on the pro tour. Uh, Jesus, I don't really like any of the guy he any of the guys he beat. I I'm not sure I know anyone one of them. In fact, I might even not know any of the guys that he lost to. So yeah, basically, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that it was didn't this guy Andrade Andres Andra Andrade Andres Andrade? I think he played a couple of challengers maybe, or maybe oh, oh he played Davis Cup. Oh yeah, he played a couple of challengers last year. So I guess I know one of his opponents. Yeah, that that's wild. I I just automatically assume that was like a college guy uh, and never really paid attention yeah wow so, so so he's like a director of a tennis club in vero beach yeah vero beach organizes a lot of uh futures events uh shang yeah yeah they do last year i think yeah i i i never ended up i never ended up going to one but i think i, I considered going to one when i lived in florida because korolev uh, korolev was playing one when he was, when he was like attempting a comeback that didn't go anywhere uh, and I was like, oh, I, 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 I could go watch Yevgeny Korolev, but I, I never ended up going. Um, but yeah, so Jason Badeza, here he is playing with Tanuki. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Nuno Borges faces Bradley Klan, and then Tunglin Wu or Qualifier. Daniel Altmaier plays Brandon Holt, and then Maximilian Materer or Gastao Eliash. Final section here, Emilio Gomez plays a Qualifier, and then Juan Pablo Fikovic or another Qualifier. Christopher Eubanks plays a qualifier, and then Mitchell Kruger or Steven Diaz. Qualifying is being played as we speak. Some of the players that have already won are Bernard Tomic, has to be the main story. If he if he can get through here, that would be great. You also have Evan Zhu, Aiden Mayo, uh, Denis Yevsev won, Oscar Ohoizen, uh, Robin Statham. Um, yeah, we'll see. Anybody else exciting yet to play? Andreozzi. Could, could qualify Nick Chapel. Um, but yeah, <laughs> over to the doubles, we have Goranson and McLaughlin as the top seats. They face Escobedo and Pacheco Mendes, who are the main Mexico wildcards. 
Van Dames that plays with uh, Emiliano Aguilera, uh, that's who is the wild card with Dayface, Stadium, and EFCF. Uh, we also have the Sabanov brothers in here. They play Klan and Kovacevic. That's an interesting team. We have Andreozzi and Duran playing here, uh, not on clay four ones. That would be exciting to see what can they do. They play Lawson Sittak, which is an interesting first round. But going back to the main draw, who do you think will win it all in Monterrey? Yeah, um, Manarino apparently played Surbiton last year and lost to Penistone in round one on grass. <laughs> I did not remember that whatsoever. Uh, uh, and my, uh, yeah, what I said about Monterey that he played it usually, he played it once in 2020, but he did win it. So, you know, that's, uh, that's why I remember that yeah, memorable, memorable appearance. Yeah, it was pretty memorable, actually. He, um, well, he never really dropped more than four games in a set, but he did play Alex Vukic in, I think, Vukic's first, uh, challenger final. So I'm pretty sure, we, uh, you know, when uh, we were talking about Vukic not not being able to get... Oh, actually, no. Vukic had a challenger final earlier in Winetka, I think, against Karlovski. But um, yeah, just the only reason I know it is because it was a bit of a conversation topic at some point that Vukic is struggling in challenger finals. And of course, he won one. Um, yeah, the, the big question is whether, Vuk- whether Manarino is going to destroy the week again. Uh, but the draw quality is much, much stronger this time around. Uh, so last time, uh, he was basically a huge favorite against every single guy. And he played Bourchier, Polanski, Smith. Um, let me see which Smith. Uh, John Patrick Smith, uh, Vukic, and uh, Ulysses Blanche. So um, yeah, here it's going to be much tougher. And he is playing Kovacevic in round one. And just that alone, you know, I, I don't really want to pick him. Uh, there's also Johnson Daniel, another cracker of a first round, cracker of a first round. Kudla Balucci, I love this one too. I have no clue who's winning mm-hmm. it. Uh, I would love to pick Vatanuki, but he has uh, withdrawn from Delray Beach, I think. Um, quite yeah, late. F- famously in, in enabling Petrotic to even get into. Oh yeah, football, you're right. Uh, I, f- I yeah. forgot it was it was Vatanuki who uh, who withdrew. Yeah, but you're right. Petrotic got because of uh, because of Vatanuki. So. You know, I'm. I don't really want to go into that. I'm not sure what he's. I uh, you know what his injury state is like, and the top half is stronger anyway. Goyo Pacheco Mendes. That's a fun matchup as well. We'll see if Goyo finally plays uh, something for not for Croatia, because this year he hasn't done that. And <laughs> um, yeah, Holt Admeyer, just just um, the same. Eubanks and Gomez. They they both have excellent draws, provided it's not the it's not Lord Tomic facing them in the second round. I really want to pick Tomic, by the way, but I think I'm gonna leave it for some <laughs> other challenger. Like this, this is just a little too, a little too strong. Um, so in, um, yeah, to, just to sum up, I think I'm gonna go with Chris Eubanks. Not particularly excited about his form, but he did have a couple of decent matches with Vukic uh, in Delray Beach. One one lost one because they faced in uh, final in the final qualifying round and then in round one. Uh, of course, he is very, very close to a top 100 debut. Uh, even seemed like he might do it this week, uh, but Albot got to the semis and Kokinakis uh, got to uh, well, won the title. Only one of these things had to happen to keep him out. But yeah, it's possible that he will do it next week. And I think with the draw he has, it's po- it's uh, certainly really doable for him. And I like I like that bottom section. If he can beat Gomez, and if he can avoid Tomic, then I like it. <laughs> It's tough because I also originally wrote down new banks, but now I'm considering changing 
And you know what? I, I will do it. I'll, I'll change to Emilio Gomez. Uh, I, I mean, as, as you said, this section is definitely the easiest one to pick out of. Every other section there feels like like something is wrong, uh, that, that you can't pick someone. But yeah, Gomez, he, he made the final here back in 2019. Um, in Delray Beach, he beat Wu, lost to Fritz. Uh, before that, that was obviously indoors, but still the, the, the results were decent. He made the quarters in Dallas. Uh, I think he, he was disappointing, of course, in, in Australia, but I, th I think that he's bounced back from it decently enough. He has, he has. He'll continue yeah. to do that here. Yeah. So, yeah, comments for me. And we go over to Bangalore or Bengaluru, depends on how you'd like to pronounce it, where the top seat is Chun Sin Seng facing Federico Ferreira Silva and then Yux Yux Su or Leo Borg. Dalibor Svercina faces last week's uh, finalist, Nicolas Moreno del Boran. Winner faces Medvedevich or qualifier. Sebastian Ofner is here playing Max Purcell. So another exciting first round match here. Purcell obviously won Chennai. Uh, winner faces Sumit Nagal or Nam Huang Li. Luka Nardi plays Milian Zekic. And then uh, Prajval Dev or a qualifier. Maestrelli plays Paul Manns and then Justino or qualifier Peniston plays Sedarusic and then Harold Mayo or Dane Sweeney. James Duckworth faces Viona Gucci and then Arthur Cazot or qualifier. Kuzmanov plays a qualifier and then Neukrist or another qualifier. In the qualifying, we have, oh, it's actually quite strong. We, we, we have Uchiyama playing Empechi Pericard. We have Moria facing with McCabe, Colin Sinclair beat Jay Clark in, in qualifying and will play Kachmazov. Uh, Jason Jung will face Sasi Kumar. Uh, Milojevic and Gunes Faran also in there over in the doubles. We have Pomaz and Purcell as the top seeds facing Ofner Sedarusic, last week's finalists. Uh, we have Raja and Sharan, Matsui and Wesugi. Noza Paulson, Kade this week playing with Maximilian Neukrist uh, instead of Jay Clark. Uh, Nam and Song are the second seeds. They're going back to singles. Who do you think will win it all? <laughs> Honestly, I'm a bit stunned. Um, I've got absolutely no clue. Like everyone I'm looking at is basically either has a very tough draw, but all or has disappointed in recent weeks, you know. But Eastern has just yeah. lost to Nagal. Uh, Duckworth playing Kazo in the second round. That's nasty. I, I, I would love to be, pick either of these guys, but if they're playing, how am I supposed to pick who's going to win? You know, Maestrelli Polmans, this is so tough. Ofner Purcell, so rough again. Moreno del Bonas, China. Tseng has been so disappointing. You know, he's the defending champion here, actually. Uh, well, I think there were a couple of Bengaluru or Bangalore events last year now it's just one so i think he won the first one and then lost to carlo velonis in the in the first one of the, of the second which was crazy and nardi of course i've picked him last week and he lost to noza uh <laughs> you know what i think i'm gonna follow it up i mean i, I don't know what to do he's playing zekic then a qualifier or brajal brajval dev um and yeah by this time if he gets to the quarters i think he's gonna be in better shape I hope so, at least. And yeah, that's what I'm going to go for because I'm just absolutely stunned. There's nothing really... I, I could pick half the guys here and would have a very decent explanation for it. So um, I'm just going with Luca Nardi, whom I picked last week, and he he lost in the opening round to Petr Noza. 
which was my upset of the week, by the way. That's that's it, it's an interesting pick. I will love fully with that one, of course. Uh, but I am also picking somebody that I originally wrote down last week. Of course, last week I ended up picking uh, Kokinakis, but originally I had written down Artur Kazo, and I will go with him this week. Um, of course, the Duckworth matchup is tough, but I feel like th- despite the loss to Sweeney, his arrow is overall pointing up for sure. Once he beats Duckworth, then it's Guzmanov in the section. The semi, I like a lot. Uh, Sweeney, of course, could come out of there again, but it's, it's Peniston and Maestrelli as the seeds. I'm happy with that. Uh, and I think that Artur Kazal will win the title here. I was very close to picking Duckworth, so <laughs> that, that would have been fun <laughs> if our picks clashed in the second round. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if you get a point with Kazo, I'm not even going to be that angry, honestly. I, I want him to get a lot of titles this year. We go over to Rome. Wait, not that one. Rome, Georgia. <laughs> Jordan Thompson playing Aziz Dugaz in the first round and then Daniel Rincon or Henry Squire. Uh, Rincon, I assume, with the, with the accelerator? Maybe I'm. I'm not sure. Well, actually, does he? Is he even? Oh yeah, because he has the U.S. Open. Uh, but I'm not sure he actually needs it. Uh, but because it's uh, it would be an accelerator for 2021, right? But I think that also works. Let me. Uh, where is it? Uh, Rome, GA. Not sure. Uh, yeah. Daniel Rincon. No, he just got in. Um, simply oh, okay, ranking. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so Daniel Rincon plays Henry Squire. Also in the section, Alexis Galeno plays Alistair Gray. And then one of two qualifiers. Vukic faces off with Ulysses Blanche and then Zakari Svaita or a qualifier. Tennis Sengren plays Elmar Apovic and then one of Ilya Marchenko or Ryan Harrison. That'll be a very fun old guy matchup, I think, on this indoor hardcore in Rome. Oh uh, we also, <laughs> well, not old guy, but like you know, they they're not they're not very pacey around the court. Uh <laughs> that's what I'm trying to ah, say. Harrison. But, uh, not, not, not what it used to be anyway. Ezokako plays a qualifier and then Shimabukuro or another qualifier. Siang Chon Hong is here as a seed. The eighth seed plays a qualifier and then the camps or Tsukirman. In the final section, Hijikata plays Nathan Ponwith and then Shintaro Mochizuki or Eden Leshen. Dominic Kepfer plays Alex Mikkelsen and then Christian Harrison or Mats Morang. In the qualifying, I think it's actually being played as we speak. Yes. So some of the guys that have already gotten through are Donald Young, uh, gotten through to the final qualifying. Now I should clarify. Donald Young, Toby Alex Kodat, uh, Brancatelli, Hazawa. Uh, going back to the actual draw, we also have Alex Rybakov. He's definitely the biggest name as the top seed. Uh, he will have to beat Patrick Kipson, though, to qualify, potentially. Uh, we also have Strong Kirkheimer, Alfredo Perez, uh, Sebastian Fanzolo. Over in the doubles, we have Galloway and Christian Harrison as the top seeds. Harrison, of course, already with two titles under his belt in doubles this season. Um, then we have Morang playing with Vukic. That's an interesting pairing. Hijikata teams up with Andres Martin. So we have a lot of pressure on Andres Martin to keep up Hijikata's <laughs> undefeated streak if it's still going. No, no, yeah, uh, but Hijikata lost have... uh, in the final today in Delray. Oh, the, oh, he lost. That's a shame. Yeah, Marcus they lost Willis to Marvaro Rohir. Marcus oh, really? Willis plays with Scott Duncan in the doubles. He plays with Scott uh, Duncan a lot, but I, I don't think he's played the challenger recently, right? I think it, it was only a few I, I don't think so. I, I think I would have noticed. Uh, but here he is, Marcus Willis. Uh, that, that that should be a pretty 
interesting story if they, if they can do something. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't realize that he was playing this much. Yeah, I I, but, I knew he was yeah, playing. None, but none of them on challengers. Yeah, last challenger was 2018. Uh, and after that, he played Wimbledon. And since then, it's only been ITFs. And I guess in singles, he also hasn't been in a challenger in, in years, right? Yeah, 2018 as well. So yeah, first yeah. challenger since uh, the grass season in 2018. But yeah, so, so so they're actually the fourth seed. So, so they have been playing quite a bit together. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, they they, uh, they are like 300 something in the... Um, mm. And we have this guy on... Um, Last uh, on last one in tennis, Jack Edward, uh, right? And he mm-hmm. um, he talked, uh, he uh, he said something that in uh, to me, um, a long while, I, I, I mean, I don't know, like a month ago, I think it was during the Eastern Open, that in his tennis club, um, he lives in Glasgow, I think, just like you, and in his tennis club, that their their best guy I is, no <laughs> is ranked in like 300 something ATP uh, doubles. And I'm like, okay, give me the name. I I want to know who it is. And he says Scott Duncan. And I'm like, hey, I, I know that name. And I check it. And <laughs> oh, he's the guy playing with Marcus Willis. How are you not? You know, how are you just now telling me this story? I should have known about it <laughs> since 2021 or something. Uh, but yeah, uh, one of our um, well co-workers, let's say, uh, is um, playing in the same club. I think he's teaching as well. Uh, Jack is a tennis coach as well. Uh, teaching in the same club as Scott Duncan plays. Wow, I, I had no idea at all. Um, yeah, back to the doubles draw, we also have Luke Johnson and Sanford Bake as the second seeds playing Lincoln and Squire, who are, I think, playing each other in singles, if I remember from five seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, Mikkelsen and Sigan are also in here, but going back to the singles, who do you like for the title? Yeah, we also have a couple of um, accelerator spots from guys who haven't used them yet in qualifying. Cooper Williams plays Alex Rybakov. Honestly, I've never watched him, so no clue, but probably has a tough draw. And uh, Coleman Wong as well. I watched a couple of his Grand Slam doubles finals, I believe, because he won two. One with Kuzuhara and one with Max Vestfall, maybe? some Someone like that. Um, and he won uh, today against um, Brimer, maybe? I, I looked at it five mm-hmm. seconds ago, but maybe my short-term memory isn't as good as yours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Brimer. Four six six three six love. Anyway, you know, not really thinking that either of these guys in the qualifying has a chance of winning the event. Maybe Rybakov, uh, but it would still be a, a huge run for him. And yeah, who do I want to pick here is the big question, of course. Um, Hijikata, he just has such a good draw, you know. I wasn't really expecting him to um, like produce instantly in these events, but he has such a good draw <laughs> that I'm really considering it. Has Dominic Kepfer been playing? Because I, yeah, he it's his first match of the year. That's what I thought because I don't remember seeing him in any draw. Um, so yeah, given that, maybe he can even lose to Alex Ma- Alex Michaelson, Michelson. I'm not sure how to how to read his name. Sandgren Ayupovich, very tough first round. Um, do I trust Vukic enough to pick him? Probably not. I think Thompson can have a hard time against Rincon if Rincon can beat Squire. Thompson can, can, can have a hard time against Galarno as well, probably. Um, yeah, I think I'm going with Rinky. Um, and just like as in Bernie, I mean, I, I remember not being that happy about this pick because I thought, you know, he's probably not going to keep this going. But 
he has, and I think the draw is weak enough that uh, he can get a couple of wins there and sort of go on from there. So I guess I'm sort of backing Rinki Hijikata to break the top 100, which would be the first top 100 um, breakthrough I missed. Because, well, 75 points would like not almost get him there, maybe. But I mean, if he gets 75 points, then he would get in probably in the next few weeks or something. Yeah, I mean, 75 points would put him nine points away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so very, very close. It will near guarantee it for him. Uh, yeah, Hijikata is an interesting proposal, but I'm actually going to go with Enzo Kwako. Uh, he's playing his first event since um, obviously becoming the only guy to take a step out of Djokovic at the Australian <laughs> oh, yeah. Open. So I feel like that's a, that's a solid enough reason. He's been, he's been playing decently at these uh, American challengers. So, yeah. I didn't know he has two challenger titles. I didn't know he has two challenger titles. I thought it was just the one from Gran Canaria, but also Cassis 2018. And from Rome, Georgia, we go to actual Italy in Rovereto, where we have Yuri Rodionov as the top seed, uh, playing Lee 2, winner plays Gengel or Choinsky. We also have Uchida playing Filip Cristiano, and then Matte Valkus or or Petar Goyovchik. That should be an interesting match. Uh, Zepieri is in here with a wild card, facing Gianmarco Ferrari, also with a wild card. Uh, the winner will play one of two qualifiers. Escofie plays Collignon and the Casper Jouk qualifier. Uh, Gigante plays Serafini and then Gautier Onclan or Lukas Rosso. Zdenik Kolaj plays Ivan Kachov and then Evan Furness or Tito Androge, who comes in here with a special exempt. Dominic Sticker is the second seed, uh, playing Mili Polichak, and then Mikhail Hertz or a qualifier. Yoris de Lourdes plays a qualifier, and then Gianluca Mager or another qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Buyu Chokete as the top seed. We also have Mariusz Kopil, who beat Sachko, will play Moro Cañas. Uh, we have Travalia, he will face Oradini, the Arnaboldi, I don't know if they're brothers, but the Arnaboldis are facing against are facing off. Andra I don't think Federico. so, right? I mean, are they? I, I have no idea. I've never looked into this, actually. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll try to, but we'll see. We also have Yevgeny Donskoy, who beat Marco Topo. Uh, going over to the doubles, we have the top seeds, Manafov and Prihotkov, facing Libietis and Margaroli, who got a wild card here. Uh, Gengel plays with Daniel Collage. They face Matuszewski and Bergevi. We have Masur playing with Polichak, Delur and Het steaming up. Escofi plays with Furness. Uh, Viktor Vlakornea plays with Franko Kugor, and they actually faced Dzhevetsky and Zhuk, the finalists from last week. Uh, but going back to the singles, who do you think will win the title? Yeah, I just found an interview with them, like as a duo. Uh, so I guess Federico and Arnandrea have to be brothers then, I suppose. Because like one, one would think, yeah, yeah, if they're if they're doing joint interview, yeah, if they're doing a joint interview, then then they probably are. Um, yeah, it's actually weird that we never like thought of this. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, I also saw a fun tweet from Marius Kopil. Uh, who uh, said, um, and it was already, well, we have this, you know, geolocation on this tweet, so we know it was already in Rovereto. Uh, indoor hardcore tournaments in Europe are becoming slower than clay outdoor. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this surface will be really slow. Uh, I have not watched the ball from the qualifying. I did not have uh, enough time to. Oh, to all right. It. 
So I assuming that this event will be really slow. Can we really see it by the results? Not so much, right? I mean, at least not today. I mean, copy beating Sajko, you'd actually expect I mean, he, something he won. He's, he's complaining, but he won. No, he, yeah. he, he did it a lot before. <laughs> it was um, yesterday at uh, 2 p.m. That's why I checked like the, you know, the location where okay. he was already in Rovereto because, you know, otherwise maybe he was watching the final in Sherbrooke or something, <laughs> or is it the semifinals rather? Um, anyway, who am I picking here? Again, um, no clue. I mean, Escoffier Collignon, I'm definitely not backing Escoffier to win this if he has such a tough draw. I would love to think that Kasper Zuk is a very tough draw for him as well, but not sure after Kasper won three games against Vanash only. <laughs> um, Rodionov has a very nice section, I think. Um, I, I'm assuming that indoors even though it's slower early two is not going to be that much of a factor maybe hoinski is dangerous if it's really that slow uh but otherwise i really love his section by the way um the uh, guy on twitter from italy erbaccia i think is a handle or again username whatever uh so it gave me a nice uh info a bit of info today about massimo sartori i think is his name um the previous coach of andrea seppi uh, now working with Zapieri since mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, so maybe that's uh, you know maybe that's part of the reason why uh, Zapieri has been doing so well. I don't know, uh, but certainly something that uh, Massimo Sartori. Yeah, I was right about the name. Um, anyway, um, Gigante. Eh, it is possible. I mean, there's also Zdenek Kolash, who honestly has a very good section, and there's also Yoris Delor. And he can play streaker again in the quarters. Question is whether streaker even gets there, right? Because with the yeah, with how disinterested he was in Vilnius, yeah. I don't know. And I think Delor is a tough matchup for him. Uh, so I'm basically going back and forth between Delor and Rodionov. Uh, who am I going to pick? Um, Jesus, it's tough. I guess if I think that Delor can have a tough time with streaker, maybe even with Collage or Gigante, then I guess I should go with Rodionov. Yeah, let's go with Rodionov. All right. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I, I feel like Striker is the is the player that is like hanging over this whole draw because he, if if he wants to turn up, he, he could win this. Yeah. I, I think for sure. Uh, but seeing that that performance that he put out, uh, it's it's very I don't know. It, it it's, it's it makes it icky for me to pick him. So I will go against him within his quarter with Yoris Delor. And just hope for the best. Picking the load back to back weeks now. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a rough spot for us, the only two challenger winner pickers in the world. Because yeah, Stricker is the best player in the field, but yeah, whether he turns up is just so random and uh you have no idea when he when he's gonna do it from time to time you sort of think that oh maybe this is the time when he starts putting in good performances consistently you know and he's gonna be good week by week uh he kind of deludes you with <laughs> down at 153 now sorry that that, that yeah. 153 now that is... yeah because he dropped cleveland Gosh. and columbus Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it kind of shows you how reliant he has been on a few good results, right? I mean, take away Zug, 125 points, and, and where would he be? Barely making exactly. slam qualities or whatever? I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the rankings, but what would happen? I mean, 382, 125 is 256, 257. Yeah. So yeah, basically barely making slam qualities without Zug. So um, yeah. We still don't know whether or will or when 
Dominic Stricker will start uh, doing, uh, yeah, going deep in events on a regular basis. Anyway, that's going to be it. It has to be kind of soon for him. But yeah. It has become more. I, I was thinking it has, it has to be kind of soon for him. Oh, because yeah. Because otherwise it, it could get very ugly very, very fast. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the guy has still, still hasn't broken the 100 with the sort of, um, you know, potential that he has is um, kind of worrying and, and probably tells you that maybe he never will like reach the insane heights that we definitely thought he would a year ago or something. But of course, uh, there's a lot of time, fitness, mental stuff. It's all very improvable. Uh, you cannot improve really your, your, your talent. Uh, it's hard to improve your skill, um, but it's, it's very easy. Well, maybe it's not very easy, but uh, it's very doable to improve uh, your fitness and like mental game. Anyway, um, this is going to be it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, especially if you stayed until the end. And we're going to see you in seven days time to uh, discuss the events of um, this is going to be a challenge. Rovereto, Rome, Georgia, Rome. Um, there's also, of course, Bangalore or Bengaluru. I think both uh, names work. And also there's that 125 in Monterey, famously won by Adrian Manarino in 2020. Wizard of the Year, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks. Bye.